Welcome to Hungry Hip Hop, potluck style reviews where we dish out the freshest takes on what these artists are serving up. We're looking for the spiciest bars, vibes, and production in order to expand our palettes and diversify our playlists. So today we will be reviewing the album Beyond Bulletproof by Mozzie. Mozzie is a rapper from Sacramento, California, uh, specifically Oak Park neighborhood, which was like 15, 20 minutes from where I grew up. So uh, definitely heard stories about that neighborhood um, all the time growing up. But yeah, so he's a rapper from there. He's been rapping for quite a while now, actually. Maybe like 2013-ish, 2014-ish. He's like where I got more serious around that time. Prolific rapper, drops album, like drops albums pretty often, like three to four a year. Really got his blow up in 2015 with his album, Blah Da Da, um, lead single, Blah Da Da. Really kind of took over the internet and like made it to a lot of different gang circles. Um, I was actually just telling Juan before we started a podcast that uh, I was on like the game Snapchat and the game was like blasting in his car. I know that 21 Savage put on his Snapchat. Um, he got features from YG, Kendrick shot him out at the Grammys back in 2017 or 18, I believe. So yeah, that's mainly Mozzie, uh, gangster rapper for Sacramento, uh, blood member. And yeah, we can get started. So this album, Beyond Bulletproof. I liked it. Uh, I will say, me being like a Mozzie fan, I haven't listened to, been listening to him since around 2016. This isn't my favorite project by him. Um, he definitely, I feel, has had better in terms of lyrics and production. But I did think this was a pretty good album still. You know, because it uh, stays with the pretty similar topics, which is reflection on gang life in the hood. Um, a lot of reflection on death of his friends, death of the ops, you know, um, police stuff. Uh, he's not super political on this album, and he, he's never, uh, not too many of his albums are he's incredibly political, so he's not super political on this one too, but he does, every once in a while, you'll hear lyrics where he's talking about police or, um, you know, juries and Black people's treatment and the criminal justice system and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, so this album is, I believe it was 13 tracks, and it's like 40 minutes long. Um, but yeah, I believe it's 13 tracks. So I would say I really love the first track, Unethical and Deceitful. Um, what'd y'all think about that? Do y'all like that one? Strong start. Strong start in my mind. Yeah. It, this is this is Alan here. This is the first time I've listened to anything by Mozzie. And having mm-hmm. Unethical and Deceitful be my first experience, I thought was great. It gave me kind of a taste of you're in for a really almost, I would actually say an almost old school kind of rap album it has a little bit of mm-hmm. light mix of r&b towards the middle of the album but there's going to be just like real bars about coming up from a rough past and that mm-hmm. kind of continued through the whole album and i thought for a song that just wants to make an impact right off it was just a great great strong start mm-hmm. like he's he's pretty lyrical for a gangster rapper huh like yeah um, he's really out there. That was one of the first things that I noticed when I started listening to him was, uh, like he's, I mean, he's talking about the same similar topics, obviously drugs, girls, guns, whatnot, but he's a great storyteller and he just, he has a way with words that's, um, you know, just obviously very good for, uh, making rap music. A uh, couple of lines in the song that I really liked, like one of the first thing, I think it's like the second line of the song where he says, um, disrespectful when we kicked the dead homie candle, mm. uh, which is like candles at, you know, funerals and kicked over the, the homie's candle and whatnot. And like, he has a lot of lyrics for us. Like you would think like, like that's like, you know, savage or like pissing on somebody's grave. It's like, dude, are you kidding me? But like, just on how like gang warfare in general, like people don't think of it as warfare, but it is like for, mm-hmm. like, for all intents and purposes, it's it's genuinely warfare. Um, it's that like, probably more devastating because it's at your home where you live. You know, your family's around. Um, you don't get to just escape it. You don't serve a couple years or whatever. Like it's a lifelong war that you're in with other people who live two, three blocks from you. And so a lot of stuff. Also in that song, he has a line where he says, fuck a truce, double homicide. We went up a deuce. And I like that too, where the idea of like, you know, you guys should come together or whatever. He's like, nah, fuck that. We killed two of them. <laughs> we went up on the scoreboard. And uh, he mentions that a lot through, throughout his songs too. And it's like, that's such a wild mindset to me. You know, like that's, that's it's so foreign to my mind. Um, this idea of, yeah, I know we killed two of your homies. Now we're up. It's like, what? Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, yo, like that is, that's dramatic uh, in my opinion. 
Well, actually, Mark, if I could follow up one thing that you said in the intro yeah. that it didn't get very political. And I, had, mm-hmm. I agree it doesn't talk about, like, here's why the Black Lives Matter movement is important. Mm-hmm. But in the context of this song especially, but kind of coming up as someone who's literally in a gang, he talks a lot mm-hmm. about, like, running into Rico. And, mm-hmm. um, well, actually, he does... He does actually comment on if the Black Lives Matter, then why aren't we treated equal? And I feel like he's not political in the sense of like I'm Macklemore. I'm about to like say all these things, but thank God. Here's well, well, yes, but here's my experience has been that Black Lives don't matter. So everyone who is saying this now, like the movement, it's good that everyone's having this movement. But for Mozzie, someone kind of growing up in a rough part of Sacramento, it's it's like this is a little late. And so he's developed this almost this like gangster lifestyle where he says, I ain't got friends, just lawyers and paralegals. So I think he is definitely political, but it's just not in the most in the way that I feel like a lot of people would say, be a nice political rapper. Say what you need to say. Like Mozzie's out here and he's just saying, this is the life I grew up with. This is what I live in. Uh, especially in this first song, right off the bat. Uh, this is Juan here. I have to say, like, I think the line that you brought up, Alan, was one of the few political lines that I felt on the album. And I think that made it really stand out as, mm-hmm. oh, he's, got, he's saying something beyond his context, his immediate context. I appreciated that he was very much sticking true to his context. You know, there's two different ways of talking about politics. There's, like, politics in terms of, like, government, institutions, things like that. But there's also, like, people negotiating and working together, uh, just the kind of day-to-day stuff that is also a kind of political thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think there, he touches on that a lot. Like, it's constantly, like, if the first song is called Unethical and Deceitful. Yeah. But also throughout, it's, it's a lot of talk of betrayal, a lot of talk of the way that people are countering the codes that they're, li- that they're supposed to be living yes. under as a group. And the way that that's causing destruction and causing him to distrust. Uh, and so even though it's not like, this kind of grand message that's applicable to everyone, I still think it's incredibly interesting the way that he's tackling these these ethical dilemmas. And side note to something that you just mentioned of like betrayal and I, um, that was something I just kept noticing he kept bringing up throughout this whole album is snitches. Like, he, yeah. hey, like, which I mean, obviously makes sense. Like as a gang member, you're doing a whole lot of stuff, legal stuff, and you're doing it, you know, with other people, whether you're other crew. And so... If you can't trust one of them, or if they go and snitch, then like all y'all down, you know, it's all fucked up. And so I imagine he's probably seen that a lot, you know, you know, whether his own gang members or whatever. When a lawyer or attorney's telling you, like, yeah, you're about to serve 25, or you know, say a couple things, you'll be out in six months. And so he's like, yeah, like, a, like he mentions a ton of times about don't you dare, <laughs> like, you don't know, say anything, like, you know, all these snitches who rather, you know, um, give up their homies and just sit behind bars or whatever. So there's even a line on the song, snitches convincing niggas it's Gucci. We got to stop that. There's yeah. no ambiguity. Yeah. No, you don't, you don't, you don't talk to police. No. <laughs> Um, but back to like the political side, also on the same song, he has a line where he says, crackers killing unarmed Africans. We ain't solved that. That should be hard for me to turn the other cheek. I get to tweak and think about my people dangling from the trees, mm. you know? That's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like, and so what, I guess when I said like this album, like wasn't super political, um, Mozzie's always, from, from since I started listening to him, um, he's been pretty political. Uh, he has lines in most of his songs, but like, it's never like a theme of an album isn't ever really fully, you know, um, political. But I mean, it's part of his lifestyle. And his grandmother, I believe, was actually a Black Panther too. Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, he was like kind of raised in all this. But yeah, I mean, I really like that song. Um, there wasn't a ton of bangers on this album, which he actually surprisingly does go more the like m- like mellow like instrumental route and just kind of will wrap his thoughts over it. There's maybe what like so body count, the song overcame off the muscle, but like other than that, I didn't see too many uh, bangers on this. It was pretty pretty mellow album, decent amount of features. None that really stuck out to me. He had Pology, who we reviewed recently. Hearing, so the reason I liked Pology, if I'm being honest, was because lyrically, kind of, he was like Mozzie in the terms of like 
mourning his friends, but I like the rap better than the singing. And so apology on this didn't really do much for me because I actually preferred the stuff that Mozzie does. Yeah. Like, yeah, those are my overthoughts on the album. Like, I thought it was a pretty good album. Um, not his best work. He definitely has better. But um, he was still very lyrical, still reflecting on gang life. Uh, yeah, so I think this album really took me back mm-hmm. uh, when I when I first listened to it. I felt like he was really channeling the early two thousands sounds throughout, uh, like the whole like I think some people call it like ringtone rap or the bling era, whatever you want to call it, that kind of era of hip hop, like people like Fifty Cent. Um, so I was kind of hearing that a lot in the instrumental. Uh, I feel like at that time, people were beginning to discover that every Mac comes with GarageBand <laughs> and we're just using the stock sounds. I, that, to me, that's what really establishes the early 2000s hip-hop sound is just generic-ass like, sounds that you found on your computer by default. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's what it has a lot of, mm-hmm. which it was nostalgic, but at the same time, it, it felt very cheap for that reason. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. And also, I've never really listened to an album where afterward I was like, I really wish I had listened to Ja Rule instead. Mm. <laughs> like, he just sounded like a worse Ja Rule. Like, uh. in, his, in his inflection and his flow, that's all I kept hearing. And it just felt like an even more tone-deaf Ja Rule. Oh, wow. Okay. That I didn't really like. <laughs> I thought the features really carried this album for me. Mm. The, the singing features, I think, were all on point. I thought the rappers always outshined him and over they, they really made this album a lot more uh, bearable for me. Milo, what did you think of it? I really did enjoy this album. This is Milo live and in stereo. And first of all, his, his style of rapping just reminded me too much of a TJ that he's a scam rapper. On Please, YouTube, oh Mark my God! Him. That might be the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard, dog. <laughs> uh, what what exactly yeah. is a scam rapper? He t- basically teaches people how to like scam Bitcoin machines and stuff over a beat. But oh. the way he raps, it's it's so. <laughs> how can I put this? It's so it's such an unrefined technique. It's mm-hmm. difficult to replicate. Like I couldn't provide an example of what it sounds like. You have to hear it. I just really, his voice was really distracting and his technique was just not my favorite. And it overpowered whatever lyrical message he was trying to deliver. The production for me wasn't the worst. And for the songs like Can't, I think it's Can't Let Me Go or Can't Let You Go. I think he actually sampled the song Can't Let You Go by Fabulous. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there was another, the last track he sampled Let Me Love You by Mario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought it was. So those two tracks. I enjoyed, but only because the production took advantage of my millennial nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So there was nothing else about the track yeah. that drew me in. But I don't have a positive take on this album. I don't, really? didn't like it. Not even lyrically? Well, the content isn't much different from what we heard from, say, Polo G or other gangster rappers out there. And then when you have such poor tech, poor execution... yeah. It just it's not going to stand out to me, if that makes any sense. I thought he was also really offbeat. Mm. Yeah, in, that's in a, a... in a really weird way. I thought. I mean, sometimes I'm okay with offbeat artists. I think it can be interesting and unorthodox. But mm. for him, he was con- he was inconsistent in his offbeatness. So he'd accidentally get on beat at times, and then I would be like, okay, I'm into it for a second, and then he would take me out of it immediately. Like it was just not. I did consistent. not hear that, but shit. I guess maybe it was just me. Hmm. Alan, your thoughts? So what I'm going to say, I, I essentially have the same feedback that Juan had, that when I was listening to this, I really felt like I was listening to like like an old The Game record or something where mm-hmm. there's the production is really like loop-based where they'll find like, oh, here's a guitar sample that goes for like 30 seconds on mm-hmm. on songs like like even Big Homie from the Hood. and price tag i did come out of it a little more positive than you did one uh, especially because i didn't know that um can't can't let you go was sampled from a different song i haven't heard that one before so i actually ended up liking it and i just had this feeling like 
this is kind of a classic R&B rap song mixture that I w- would have heard in like the early 2000s, right? Like you said, 50 Cent. When you do have these kind of like, like guitar loops, piano loops that are pretty short, the song will tend to drag, right? Where mm-hmm. sometimes if the song goes over three minutes, I'll feel like, okay, maybe we didn't have to do the chorus like that last time. Um, that's came up on the song Overcame, for example, and Boys mm-hmm. to Men. But I want to say I did come away feeling a little more positive uh, than Juan and Milo, which is weird just because I do feel like all the same things that you guys have said about this album, I do agree with, except for except for I didn't catch him being offbeat. Next time I listen to this album, most likely I won't be able to not hear it at this point. I was going to say the same thing that Milo said as well, that I felt like this reminds me of Polo G. And then I was not surprised to hear, oh, Polo G has a song on here. And it sounds like this could have been on the Polo G album. But to I guess to start us off, I did want to talk about that song Price Tag because I thought they made a really cool decision to incorporate some like Spanish flamenco guitar in the beginning that they're not afraid. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, and they're not afraid to just let it play out for a while and let give you a real like guitar intro. But my feedback is after it loops once, they bring in the 808s and the drums just sound very loud. And so it didn't give me the chance to really like enjoy the subtlety that the guitar brought because it's just drowning by these drums but it was nice to to hear from polo g again i guess even though i probably wouldn't have noticed it was him if i didn't just read it in the title uh but it is that is one of the songs that i enjoyed uh mark what do you think about it uh that was the only song where i had a note where i said like i didn't really enjoy the song like, I'm actually, like, serious, like, Polo G kind of dropped me out of it. Like, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of that type of singing a ton. Um, even though I did like his album, I thought it was cool. But, like, yeah, it's just, it's just not the not the sound for me. He did have a line in that song, though, where he says, in press tag, where he says, I just checked the gram. Nobody died. We doubled yeah. back, though. Which makes it sound like, to me, like, they went on a hit. They looked on Instagram. He's still alive. All right, we went right back. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like... I don't know, like, those are just littered throughout this album. Well, he has one line, like, this was, like, this gave me chills on the song I Ain't Perfect. He says a line where he says, on Jesus Christ, retaliation helped me sleep at night. So, like, the only thing that makes me feel better is the fact of knowing that uh, I killed some of your homies. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus, like, I don't know. It's kind of, like, something that kind of, like, chills you to the bones when you hear, hear about it. I understand that sentiment in the sense of, like, I get it, you want revenge. Um, and um. I'm a very privileged person to say this, but it, I know it's sad that he does kind of have that mindset because if people are so motivated by revenge, that's how you get these like cycles of gang violence. Right. And then eventually, eventually it'll be like, okay, now, now no one remembers what, for example, two gangs were originally fighting over. Now it's people want revenge. And the only way to get revenge is by more killing. I don't know. It's just a sad sentiment to me because I actually did make a note of that line as well. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Like, that's the reason why people are like, why can't the gangs just, like, come together? Like, you know, you see the pictures of, like, a red and a blue guy tied together and, you know, shit like that. But the shit, the reason that shit never lasts isn't because, like, people don't want peace. It's because some boy, like, if you're going to get peace, at, you have to say at some point, that person who killed my friend, I got to yep. let that go. That person who killed the only person that I hang out with, I have to let it go. And no one's willing to let that go. So, like, as much as you could say you want peace or whatever, like, you're going to, ha- like, someone's going to come do a drive-by on your homie, and then you got to be like, you know what? I'm going to let it go. And it's just not going to happen, especially when the gang is your life. And so a lot of times, like, these are legit their families. They're more important than the blood family they have. And so if someone goes and, like, kills some of them or whatever, like, you're not going to let that shit go. And so, yeah, like, it's really sad, but, like, it's just the truth of living that lifestyle. I definitely want to return to price tag. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the guitar, but I I really like Polo G, but I'm also probably the biggest Polo G fan here. I thought he sounded great on the beat. And I loved the way that him and Lil Papa shared the hook together. And so it just kind of made it a little bit dynamic. I also really liked the the way the hook said, a uh, price tag on his head. Um, it ain't shit to get your mind bought. So like price tag on his head, bought mind, like that connection there I thought was really cool. Yeah, I do. I do agree. I like how you pointed out that when when Lil Papa and 
trilogy come together because there is so much of this album that if I one if I do have criticism, it's that Mozzie does tend to sound pretty similar points. So whenever we can get multiple voices or some kind of production switch up to give the album that variety, I do I do think it's pretty sweet. And along with the like unique style of guitar, this was one of the standout songs to me because it was kind of at least to some level sounding different than a lot of the other songs to me. Mm -hmm. I was actually proud of myself for recognizing it was Polo G when I heard his voice. I was like, I've heard this one. I actually was looking at my notes as Juan was talking about the song and I even wrote down Polo G was a lot better on this song than Mozzie was. Mm -hmm. He was a lot easier to take. But I actually, I did. I liked the guitar. I'm sorry you didn't like it, Juan. (laughs) (laughs) Also, that line I was trying to say about snitching is on the song Betrayed, where he says, words loyalty to the oath you were under, cracked under pressure when them crackers got on your bumper. Um, you know, when they really started, you know, really started pressing you. Another one I really like too, and I actually heard this one a while ago, and I'll give the little story behind this. He has a line on the song I Ain't Perfect where he says, I'm sipping slow, told the world I quit. Or sorry, uh, yeah, I'm sipping slow, told the world I quit. It's hard to kick it though. At least I don't promote it on the gram. It's my addiction though. So Mozzie is a super uh lean rapper. <laughs> I actually right before uh, right before this podcast, I was showing Juan. So so quick story. Juan and I went to a Mozzie concert back in 2016 in Southern California. And I've been to a decent amount of rap concerts, and most of them are full of like mainly white kids, right? This Mozzie show, though, <laughs> was very different. This Mozzie show was full of gang members, like just straight <laughs> up red rags and blue rags. Juan could completely testify to this. Um, it was full of gang members. But either way, so like uh, I have a picture where like literally he had his bottle of like uh, syrup like on the fucking stage, <laughs> like, um, which was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so I saw on an Instagram video he posted, but actually it went, went viral. Um, he posted an Instagram video a few years back where he was at a gas station and he took like a whole bottle of lean, which is like two, three grand, some shit, and just poured it right on the ground. And it was like the kick the cup challenge, you know, like trying to like, you know, this shit isn't cool. Don't do it or whatever. And so when I read this line, you know, I told the world I quit. It's hard to kick it though. At least I don't promote it on the gram. It's my addiction though. Um, mm. A lot of rappers, it, you know, a lot of put on the gram. Oh, look at me. I just got another bottle, blah, 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 you know. And like he recognizes the power he had. And so even though he tried to quit and he couldn't, like he's still not going to promote this shit, which I thought was pretty cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that without the, without the backstory. But when you put it in context, it makes a lot more sense. Mozzie's second verse on this song, I mean, really this whole song is a highlight for me, but especially the second verse when he's talking about kind of his more humble beginnings, that he's opening a box of Apple Jacks, he sees some roaches, he talks about his mom managing the McDonald's, and then eventually it gets to the line that you brought up earlier. When I was listening to this album, I thought a lot about the Polo G album we reviewed, but I noticed Mozzie spends a lot more time in the past and in his rough beginnings even more than Polo G did uh, mm-hmm. on that last album. And I feel like the story that you just talked about, um, combined with how much he spends time he spends back in the ghetto, especially, I do appreciate the this this album is pretty violent and there's a lot of like dark topics on it. But I do appreciate kind of the overall narrative that he's going for that like I'm not gonna promote I'm not going to promote drugs, even if I use them. I'm not going to, like, I'm not killing just for fun. I don't think killing is cool, but killing is something I need for catharsis, right? So He's not really trying to glamorize it. Yeah, and so I feel like that theming is really consistent through the whole album. And that's why when when I'm saying this album isn't political necessarily, it's it's not, but it has a very clear stance, which I appreciate. Um, if you go back, uh, so... Like I said, he drops a lot of music, right? Um, if you go back to like I would say 2016 and earlier, um, Mozzie's lyrics are way more like current. Like I'm talking about like a specific game member who's still alive who lives on that blog, um, like type of current shit. Um, and like just dissing other like game members on his tracks. But like the more you go from like he's like now out the hood and whatnot, now it's more reflective of the past. Whereas Polo G, like just got famous, I'm pretty sure, right? Like, yep. pretty recently, so... Yeah, um, I think he moved to L.A. last year. Yeah, yeah. And Mozzie was living in L.A. 
think, yeah, at least it's 2016. Um, it was on probation, though. I think he couldn't leave or something like that. I don't remember. My favorite hook on this is on the song Overcame. And I know, Alan, you said, like, the hook kind of came in too often, which that's I can see that. It did come in a lot. But I also thought it was a really great hook. And, like, I loved the lyrics. So how I'm, how I'm supposed to tell my young and go to school when they just caught him at the light rail, stripped him for his jewels. How I'm supposed to tell my auntie not to use when she ain't got no other means or methods to numb abuse. I know you're pain, baby, but look at all the other shit you overcame, baby. In search of love, only reason why we game bacon. Dove in the bloody waters, granny can't save them. It's how the game may be. That, I feel, could be like a little microcosm for the entire album in a way. You know, especially the like, how I'm supposed to tell my young and go to school when they just robbed them at the light rail, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on that light rail down there. It's scary. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you know, like, yeah, like, how are you supposed to focus on school when you just got like a new little chain or some Jordans and some juices come up, beat the shit out you and jack you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I supposed to focus on this math test I got, you know, now or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, his auntie, who's um, a drug addict, you know? Um, and he talks about himself and other albums being a crack baby, um, like his mom being like a heavy, heavy, heavy drug user. Um, and like, this is just the life that I was brought in. Um, this is the pain that we go through on like a regular basis. So yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting. That's why I, I think if I had to pick a favorite song, this would actually be my favorite song on the album. Yeah, I really like that hook too. I thought it really demonstrated uh, an awareness from Mozzie about um, like the desire to have the people around him find a different way of life, but at the same time understanding that he didn't choose this just freely. There were a lot of external uh, mm-hmm. factors that led him to enter this kind of life. There's been a few kind of similar lines in other rap songs, but what he says in verse two, we were selling dope to the family like it was nothing wrong. And if ever there was a way to make using drugs and selling drugs not be glamorized in rap music, it's saying like, no, this is something I feel guilty about. Like when I think of a crack fiend, I'm turning my family into that and those people that I'm using for profits all in service to this addiction. So again, playing into that strong theming. I just had a question for Mark and I'm directing most of my questions toward you, not because I'm like picking on you or anything, but you, you're the one who's expressed like the most positive opinion about this album. <laughs> so that's why I'm sending it your way. I just want to know what makes this, because a lot of the content we're going over, we've, we've heard from other artists. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what makes Mozzie stand out to you that you'd recommend him to other people? Like with Tupac and Biggie, like they have their voices. J. Cole, he has his like, basically like just lift and samples in some cases, whole beats. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So like, what about Mozzie? So, for me, what's, what I like about Mozzie the most, if I had to pick one thing, is how grimy his lyrics are, which is why I said this isn't this ain't my favorite album by him, because he doesn't have a lot of that. Um, it's a pretty passive reflection. Like, he obviously, as we just read, touches on some very hard topics, but it's it's not as grimy. Where, like, if you go and listen to his song, blah, 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 it's 2015, it's like heavy 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 like just the way he's describing things is incredibly dark and it's uh it's a way that you don't see a ton even from other gangster rappers like yeah they 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 all live a very similar life like if you're a game banger i don't care what part of the country you're in like if you're a street game banger if you're a creeper of blood like you live a very similar lifestyle with other game bangers and so they all rap about the same topics but he's typically incredibly detailed in his Oh, okay. This just wasn't the album for it, so I'm sorry. So what did you guys, if you're okay moving along songs, we are running a little shorter on time here, but Big Homie from the Hood, the last song of the album, was actually one of my personal favorites, and I thought the album did a good job of starting strong and ending strong. Mark, when you're talking about like when he gets really grimy, I think Big Homie from the Hood is a great example of that. When... <laughs> He goes back to selling drugs again because that's all that's the only thing he could do. But he says, if you ain't selling dope, then he was broke in the hood. Name ringing bells, well known in the hood. I understand why Juan and Milo, especially, um, his voice doesn't really do it. But I really, when I dig into the lyricism, I think that I like this album more and more on subsequent listens. And this is actually one of my favorite songs that has grown on me the most. That's peculiar to me that he ended the album. So he ended the album talking about going back, like you were mentioning, Snow and going back to his old ways, and used a popular R&B sample from the early 2000s. And Polo G did 
did pretty much the same thing on his, uh, his on his album with changes, and the message of that song was "things won't change." Yeah, and That's I'm wondering, damn, Polo G and Mozzie, they're not. I mean, th- this is probably the first time they've crossed paths, I guess, or what? I mean, they so. wouldn't. Polo G's Chicago, so you know they're not yeah. from the neighborhood or shit like that. So I don't really know. I'd imagine they probably weren't super close before all this, but. We should also say that um, Mozzie's album came out first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're just reviewing oh, it. Oh. Yeah, so maybe, it came out. Okay. Polo G's came out like, well, a couple weeks later, I think. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. Like three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one thing I real, real quick want to mention. He says it in the song. Let me look real quick. Um, so Lonely. You ain't prostituting. You ain't prostituting your pussy. Then you fire baby. She so don't get that Louis purse she uh, she want. Then she a crybaby. So Mozzie sold drugs, but actually instead of like selling drugs, he was mainly known for pimping in Sacramento. Um, I actually watched an interview where he talks about it a little bit on how selling drugs like got to a point where it was no longer profitable. Um, like you actually like wouldn't make that much money. Or at least a ton of money selling drugs. One, and then two, the risk factor for getting caught for selling drugs was just super high. Like you're thinking this or that on you, you know, it's automatic this, automatic that. Whereas for prostituting, it was it's a lot harder apparently to pin it because you got to also get the prostitute confess also that she was prostituting for him. And so I don't think he says it in this album at all. But there's other albums where he like shouts out his prostitutes for never talking, you know, while they're in the uh, while they're in the police station and shit like that, you know, and like holding it down solid. And he actually like uh, like laments about that a lot, uh, also too in his music of how um, he felt really bad, or he's really happy that he made it in rap because he no longer has to like sell women for money. Um, and like it wasn't something that he was happy necessarily doing, but it was just a way for him to eat in the hood. And it's like that's just it's once again that's a lifestyle that most people will like never understand, like not even close to like okay, I either gotta sell drugs, which will tore people to fiends, and they won't have their family members, or I gotta go take this girl and sell her at some hotel um, in order to make money. Uh, going back to Big Homie from the Hood. I wasn't really able to get into the song at all just because I'm so in love with the Mario song and just kept being angry that it wasn't the Mario song. <laughs> it's like, it's so good. And like Mario's voice didn't really come in and that, that just saddened me uh, too much. So I really should have paid more attention, but I couldn't let that go. Well, that's, I mean, cause I actually didn't, I don't know that song. This is the first time that I've, <sighs> that I've heard this. So uh-huh. then I guess that comes with a lot of, I don't have that same expectation of like, you have to live up to the original song. I definitely like empathize with that because when we were reviewing uh, Dark Lane demo tapes and Drake just like Mm -hmm. used that whole line from Eminem like five times. And I was just like, come on, Mm -hmm. a little more than this. But I mean, I did appreciate when Polo G did it and I appreciated it here, but I definitely knew the old Tupac song, even if I didn't know this Mario song here. Yeah, I didn't mind it as much on those two examples because. I don't really care about Tupac or Eminem as much as I care about Mario's song, Let Me Love You. So mm-hmm. that just feels very different to me. Um, but also, I, wanna, I also want to talk about So Lonely, okay. uh, which Mark brought up for a bit. I thought the hook was really great on this song. I did like the hook. Yeah, I like the hook catchy. too. It felt kind of modern, but it also felt like it fit the, the kind of early 2000s sound that he has. And also, I kind of, as I was listening to it, I assumed that it was kind of a love song in the hook. But then as I kept listening to it and listened to Shoddy Shoddy's like little outro where he starts like listing all of his friends who he's lost, like RIP to all these different people. It, it made me realize that no, he's actually talking about like all of his lost loved ones who he misses and who he feels lonely because they're not around. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting the way that they kind of played with our expectations on the hook like that. This is the song that I think has gotten stuck in my head the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm the chorus and the lines. And then I did, I also appreciated the way that RIP and then RIP, RIP, RIP just kind of makes it, we're not just rap music, but these are people who aren't with mm-hmm. us anymore that I really care about. Um, in verse one of that song, uh, Mozzie says, miss you like never before mentioned in hell on my songs. Can't seem to let you go tripping forever. It's on. Wish you answered the phone. Nigga be like, why? Why they still the real ones and leave the suckers alive? Hey, I don't understand how they love you and never slide. You ain't trying to yellow tape nothing. Why you subscribe? So one, just 
like he can't stop mentioning his dead homies in his songs. Um, I'm pretty sure he's talking about his homie Zilla Zoe because he mentions some goddamn every song I've ever heard of by Mozzie. The line specifically, so remember I was saying about how calling peace and it's hard to ever call the truce because mm-hmm. you have to, that means you have to let your homie's murderer go. Mm-hmm. And this song where he says hey i don't understand how they love you and never slide he's calling other gangsters out say like you say you you say you love your homie but you know you ain't slid for him you ain't go you know shoot the people who killed him and so for him it's like you don't even love your friends if you don't go after the people who shot at him who who killed him retaliation is so goddamn deep and like it's a very different uh, ethic gang warfare it's a completely different ethic of you know like you actually don't love your friends you don't love your family if you don't go and shoot the people who oppose them so like it really changes your like the way your mind completely works in that sense anybody have anything for bulletproofly the name made me laugh <laughs> uh, yeah it's I not think bullet- it was an interesting I, name <laughs> i like it i thought it was bulletproof fly <laughs> and then I heard him say proofly. I thought it was a really great continuation of Betrayed. They felt like a pair of songs that work really well together and kind of come after one another that continue in the same themes of betrayal. I thought the production was good on Juan. Did you like the production? Uh, on Bulletproof? Uh, I loved the introduction and I, li- I liked the really light vocal sample that was there. The beat itself, like the drums, weren't anything special to me. Why do you ask? It seems like you and I had pretty similar opinions about the technique and productions at the start, outset of this. What did you think? Well, no, I, yeah, I just, um, that's pretty much the only note I have. I didn't catch any, too much lyrical content as far as the execution on the rap. It was still the same. Like The reason I asked about the song is because it's the one I have the least amount of comments for. Got it. Mm. And it's also gone pretty much unmentioned. during. So I got the impression, like, probably also the least enjoyed by all of us yeah this this wasn't this one didn't have a ton for me i thought um, boys to men was the worst that one was really that so boys to men i wrote a note um boys to men has the most typical like mozzie production so he uses this producer who's also uh I actually think it's part of the same gang, but another Sacramento producer, June on the beat. And I don't know if this was produced by him, but this is like that sound, like the intro with the bass, okay. like how it's, I swear to God, like if you go early back, like every Mozzie song has this type of sound. And so if you don't like the production for Boys to Men, you probably won't for most of his old songs. Yeah, it was mostly the 808s felt just really gross sounding and the mm-hmm. tempo was, didn't sound right to me. Yeah, that was the one where he mentions talks a lot about snitches too. I tend to whisper when there's a rat in the room. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Um, question: what, So I mean, we could go back to that, but what y'all think about body count? I don't really hear anybody mention that. That was like the first banger in the album. The so that's one of the down. few songs where. Oh, mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mo. I was just going to say that's one of the few songs I have, actually have a line for when he says I put his ass in the clouds. What were you about to say about the beat one? Because I have a feeling it's the same thing I have written. <laughs> I was going to say that it sounded like off-brand Mike Will Made It. Mm. Okay. I have basic written down. That's, for I, the think that, I think we were saying the same thing there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I thought the features killed it. They all flowed really well. Really? So mm-hmm. I love G Herbo. Like, I fucking love G Herbo. But I, like, you want to talk about off-beat, bro? Like, he, I didn't think he was rapping to the track. I feel like they just put it on the song. Uh-huh. Like, I love and like I'm. This is no shade, bro. I fuck with G Herbo heavy, bro. Uh-huh. Um, heavy, but this just his verse on this was so whack to me. I I did think the second feature though, or the first feature, King uh-huh. Bond. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he murked it. Hmm. He did great. I thought G Herbo sounded really awkward at the start of the verse, but I thought he picked it up later on and made up for it. Wild, bro. <laughs> <laughs> His verse was so bad, bro. <laughs> I, I actually really liked G Herbo's verse too. And to me, it just feels like, again, I like variety a lot. He has a unique voice, especially on this album. Like yes, no one does. no one sounds like him, especially on on this song. This is actually to stay to stay here for a little bit. This is more one of my favorite songs just because it is so up tempo and it is like a mm-hmm. banger, right? This is gonna be one that I like actually come back to a lot just because it has kind of a different feel than the polo g album we listened to and the rest of this album i did appreciate mark you didn't like when he said blah da 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 like mozzie, mozzie? 
That was the first line I recognized. And I was just like, come on. Like, it's just, like I don't know, bro. I just felt like that was such a lazy verse. I've heard so much better from G Herbo. I like when I first saw this track and like, cause I watched a music video like way before like I even heard this album. And I was like, oh fuck, like Mozzie and G Herbo is about to be dope. And bro, I just left so goddamn disappointed. Like, <laughs> I thought the B was cool. I thought Mozzie was cool. I thought King Von was cool, but G Herbo, G Herbo's verse was just not it, bro. So on the topic of features, real quick, I had one quick question. Did you guys feel like on I Ain't Perfect that Blast sounded a lot like he was doing a young thug type impression? Yeah, I could see that. It didn't come to mind, but yeah, like the when you mentioned that, I could see it, yeah. Because I really thought that I because like every album we review on this podcast has a young thug feature on it, right? So that's <laughs> yeah. what I thought this was. I thought we were getting to that part. But then I was like, oh, the lyrics actually make a lot more sense than young thug normally does to me. And then I saw that. Yeah, yeah, they don't seem eccentric enough lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was Akon talk when I heard the hook. Akon? Only. Yes, and it reminded <laughs> me of that uh, that Hola Como Esta. She said Konichiwa. <laughs> Imagine if he got an Akon feature. That would have been amazing. No, I was thinking, I was like, what? That would have fit the vibe he was going for perfectly. Oh my God, that's all funny. I did think that the hook on Can't Let You Go sounded like a lot like Usher or Trey Songs. Which brings us back to that feel, right? That this exactly. reminds me of the 2000s. The features really added to that. Yeah. Sing- the singing ones, at least. Not always in a bad way. I actually, I like yeah. going back. I, I love the 2000s rap, so yeah. I like going back there. Um, real quick, on the song Off the Muscle, um, Mozzie has a line where he says, um, your son ain't got no life insurance, I'm gonna shoot it to you, and we gonna make sure that he buried like the king he is. So he has a lot of songs, particularly, or a lot of lines, but particularly this one song um, on the one up top uh, album. Oh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But the music video takes place on a funeral service. He had, and the hook, he's talking to uh, his dead homie's mom. And he has so many songs where he's talking directly to his dead homie's mom, saying how, like, we're going to go slide for your son, or, you know, we're going to pay, I'm going to pay for the funeral, or shit like that. And, like, I don't know, like, I've just, I've sat there for nights just listening to his music and just, like, reflecting on that idea of, like, what if I, like, I can't imagine going to my friend's mom you know, and being like, you know, yeah, don't worry. We're going to get revenge for him, <laughs> you know, or like going like, yeah, I know we're going to pay for the funeral because he died, you know, shooting for us or whatever. Like, it's once again, it's just such a foreign idea to me. Um, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just stuff that was interesting. Like, he just has a lot of lyrics like that typically through his music. So, I, again, I'm going to come in from like the really like privileged position that I do come from. Um, to me, that idea of like getting revenge for my friend's mom by killing this other person feels almost, it feels greedy to me because a mother, if a mother loses her son, it's not going to be like revenge isn't going to be what she's thinking about. Right. She wants to see her son again. So to Sometimes. me, and uh, depending, <laughs> okay, maybe, I, maybe I am wrong, but it just feels like going through that cycle again, doesn't, isn't going to bring anyone's son back. And I feel like for a lot of mothers, it's like nice that Mozzie would like pay for a funeral or something, but it's a funeral, right? And so I understand the logic. I really hope that Mozzie can kind of like in the future break out of this mindset and be different because it like, because I think about lines like that a lot too. I kind of view it really negatively that like, this is what you have to say to someone's mom that instead of saying like, I'm sorry that I brought your son into this lifestyle, but now I'm going to go kill someone else. Does that make you feel better? No, I, mean, I, 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 I get you. It's just like, like if, you know, if I had a child that died and one of his friends like, don't worry, we're going to go kill the person who killed him. I'm like, that wouldn't make me feel better. That's like by any means. So I, I, for me, it's like when he's talking about paying for the funeral, like, like he's empathizing with the mother or whatnot. But the getting revenge isn't for the mom. The getting the revenge is for him and the gamers. Okay. Um, that's like, like, uh, like just like just so you know like we're gonna go kill them too you know um which the funerals then never stop mozzie has another line on a different song where he says the only reason the only reason you should hate me is if you're the family of a murder victim (laughs) um and so it's like he recognizes you know that it's a cycle that just legitimately does not end you know there's people who are taking away 
uh, his friends from their mothers, and then he's taken away other people's, you know, sons and whatnot. And so it's just like, it's just this really vicious cycle of this like incredibly like fucked up world that he's in that like for most people, these morals and these ethics are like, wait, what? Like, that's not a good thing to do. And in his world, it's like, dude, you're not a real friend if you don't do this. It's just a complete reversal. No, uh, it's just uh, what Alan was saying. It reminds me so much of a movie. I can't remember what the name of the film was, but it, it's almost this exact scenario. Like the gang members came to the mom talking about how they're going to get revenge. And the mom was colors? just like, no. Like, Is it Colors? I don't, I'm not sure. I can't uh, remember off top. It happens in that movie. It's exactly what Alan was saying. Like, these are the people. He'd be alive if it weren't for y'all. Like, <laughs> all of this going and killing people. Exactly. This gang lifestyle will kill them in the first place. Like, get out of my house. <laughs> Earlier, Mark brought up that gang life is a lot like a war. And there are a lot of mothers who are very proud of their sons and daughters for going off to fight these wars that are often rooted in just like kind of in a more localized way, but like histories of people going back and forth for petty shit, right? I And I think especially when the, your local area is your whole world, I understand that kind of anger and the desire for, for vengeance, even though I agree with you, Alan. I don't think it's a healthy thing. I don't think it, I think it's just going to reproduce more violence, right? Yeah. I also can totally like empathize that in that moment, there would be a part of me that really wants the people who hurt me and who hurt my family to suffer. Yeah. And it's not even like it's a quick vengeance of like, oh, it's only because he shot me or my friend and I'm getting back. It's like deep-rooted vengeance. Like, no, he shot him. His friend shot my other homie. Mm-hmm. Their OG shot my OG a few years. Like, it's just, it's, it's deep-rooted to where like, we can't let this shit go. Um and I, I was listening to a song by The Game recently. Uh, Milo, I actually, like, sent you the song. I don't know if you ever listened to it. But he's talking about, like, his uh, coming up. And he says, he's mentioned how, like, his mom and dad were crips, you know? <laughs> and so, like, his mom was in this gang shit, too. <laughs> so um, I do get, like, there's probably a ton of moms who are like, this is not what I want. This is not what I, you know, want for my son or whatever. But then there's a lot of other ones who, like, even if they don't like it, they respect respect or recognize the gang life enough to be like this is just a part of it you know mm-hmm. i know at some point i hope that mozzie will see at some point it just has to end and someone will die but peace will have to happen after someone dies and then they say um i'm not going to seek revenge for this but anyway we have been going a little long do we want to plug this into the spice meter yes um i'm excited to hear what y'all gotta say about this but anyway so i'm gonna give this uh honestly, i'll give it a kind of spicy um it's like i said i i love mozzie i think he's incredible lyricist to be honest uh, when it comes to content and just his descriptions but this is by far like not even close to his peak of his work um I, there's at least two to three other albums I could think of that were all like pretty better than this one. So I am sad that this was your guys' introduction. Um, I do wish that, you know, there was a different one, but it thought it was cool overall. It still, still had good lyrics that I liked, still had some cool beats and whatnot. So I'll give it a kind of spicy. For me, I'm giving this a solid spicy, actually. Uh, oh, Mark, man. thank you for bringing this album up. I, I did enjoy listening to it and I am going to look forward to Mozzie in the future. Uh, like we were saying, it got me thinking about like the cycles of gang violence, the cycles of like drug addiction and selling drugs. Uh, my feedback would be, I wish the album could feel a little more varied. It did sound a lot like Polo G at times. I do agree with, and it did sound like a lot of 2000s era rap, but I got to give it a spicy because it got me thinking about stuff. There are songs that I'm going to come back to for sure. So solid spicy for me. Yeah. Um, as, a, as has been brought up before, uh, I've also seen him in concert. Uh, and he was he was very fun at the concert. Yes, very and fun. I thought, <laughs> and the, the tracks that I got to kind of preview there, I thought a lot of them were really great. And a lot of, were, a lot of them were great for a concert setting. But as far as this album goes, I'm going to say it's a not spicy. But yeah, too much of a bad version of the 2000s sound for me. Um, and I wasn't really into his flow or lyrics or anything. So not not the best for me. I'm going to go ahead and give this a not spicy as well. Uh, what actually pulled me through this album was the production, which isn't even the best. So but his his execution to me was just too poor for me to give it a spicy at all. 
so not spicy. That's fair. Whatever. I'll let it go. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. Uh, and real quick, Alan, something you just mentioned about how like the reflection it brought with you or brought for you. I tend to like I reflect a lot when I'm sitting there listening to music. When I listen to Mozzie is when I tend to reflect the most, mm-hmm. just because of the way he puts things and makes me think about things. Like I'll listen to one song and I'll sit there and be thinking about the world that you must come from to write something like that for like an hour. Alan, do you want to mention what we're doing next time? First, we got to pick a couple tracks to put on the playlist. We do, we do, we do. Well, I'll give my two right now. Uh, Can't Let You Go and So Lonely. Can't Let You Go and So Lonely. So for me, I want to put actually two songs to come back to back. I Ain't Perfect and Can't Let You Go. I'm going to say So Lonely and I Ain't Perfect. I'm going to say Underneath the Corner C4 and Overcame. So it sounds like I Am Perfect and So Lonely are. Yeah. All right. So we got I Ain't Perfect and So Lonely. I'm going ahead and throwing those on right now. Mm -hmm. But ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very fun episode coming out for you next time. We are going to be (laughs) discussing the discography of Mr. Kanye West, someone who, uh, if you're listening... (laughs) And why graduation... (laughs) It's going to be such a heated episode, yeah. It's going to be like a four-hour argument. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Fun story, this is the first time I met Juan, we actually argued about Kanye's worst album. Um, Mm. I actually have a different worst album now than when I met Juan, (laughs) but we won't get it. I still don't. One still doesn't, but it, this is going to be a fun one, guys. Be sure yeah, you're doing this one. Tuned in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be a fun one. All right, y'all, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Um, have a great one. Bye. Later, guys. Ciao.